In the Perspectrum podcast, we discuss controversial topics. Outside of this context, Michael and I are both working professionals. While doing the show, we are not acting as agents or representatives of our respective institutions. And none of the views that we express reflect the outlooks of our employers. So don't come to my office and throw toilet paper at me. And I don't have an office, but don't come to my cube. Hello and welcome to the Perspectrum. I'm Michael Bloom. And I'm Nathan Seelove. So first off, before we get into it, I have to thank Nathan and uh, Katie for running the show last week while I was off. I think they did a great job and uh, really appreciated being able to take uh, a couple days off and uh, go backpacking in the mountains with a couple buddies. So it was awesome. Michael is a lot more adventurous than I am. <laughs> um, I have been I have been backpacking through outer space. On oh. Starfield. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's adventurous that, in its own way. Yeah. That's 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 been my vacation. Um, yeah. Have I have I mentioned on this pod that that's an awesome game? Hey, it's an awesome game. You did mention it last <laughs> week, in fact, that it's an awesome game. I feel like that's gonna be a reoccurring theme on this show is you're gonna keep talking about how yeah. good Starfield is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because I'm paid off by Big Bethesda. Of course. Of course you are. Yes, of course. <laughs> but that's not the subject of our episode today we have oh, a couple it. really exciting topics that are not starfield sorry nathan you can it's okay maybe a different podcast it's that. okay yeah. i get it um <laughs> so first off we'll be talking about uh the impeachment inquiry that the house of representatives has launched um into joe biden and then we will have a, a segment talking about the united auto workers strike uh, diving kind of deep into that subject and like what's driving the strike and, and kind of where we stand and what the potential impacts of the strike will be. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. It feels like news actually happened this last week. I know. I know. You know? Yeah, it's true. Not, not great news. <laughs> not great news. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, I think the strikes, I think the strikes are a generally positive trend in the United States, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, yeah. Well, Yeah. Kind of. I, I would say, like, to the degree that it's positive that these poor workers have to threaten their companies in order to get basic wages, like, yeah. <laughs> or, like, basic, like, wage growth. I, I, I don't know if that's overall positive, but I'm glad that the strikes are potentially having a positive impact. But we'll get into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, first off, let's talk impeachment inquiry. So, last week, House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy directed three House committees led by Republicans to launch investigations into whether the House should bring impeachment charges against President Biden. Yeah. Um, yeah. To which, if you're a Democrat, you're probably thinking, what the fuck? Like, shouldn't I have heard something about this if, if Biden was going to get <laughs> impeached? And if you're a Republican, you're probably thinking, thank God the Biden crime family is finally seeing <laughs> some uh, comeuppance. <laughs> Uh, and so we're here to yeah. break that down. Yeah. And I just want to be clear about something before we go into this. Mm-hmm. Neither Michael nor I are married to Joe Biden. Sure. Yeah, that's true. We Not, we, not we even our, metaphorically. We, not even metaphorically. Right? Yeah. We, we have been very critical of him on this pod, mm-hmm. and I yeah. will even go so far as to say that he is corrupt. Yeah, yeah, Now, yeah. I will say that he is corrupt in the way that a lot of... Uh, a lot of Washington politicians are corrupt in the fact that he takes corporate PAC money mm-hmm. and he does the bidding of corporations as a result of that. But that has been declared legal 
yeah. by the Supreme Court. So that's not something he can be impeached on. In an ideal yeah. world, it would yeah. be something he could be impeached on. But in an ideal world, literally every other fucking politician in Washington would also not be doing that. Yeah, so totally. I'm not. I'm not a huge Biden defender or a huge Biden lover. He's done mm-hmm. some things that I like, and he's done plenty of things that I don't like. Yeah. So... I am trying to approach this with as much of an open mind as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So McCarthy, in his press conference announcing you know, his direction to these committees to launch this uh, inquiry, um, claimed that the president had lied to the American people about his knowledge of his family's business dealings. Um, and overall, like these claims are related to... Um, Biden's interaction or alleged interaction when he was vice president with Hunter Biden's um, like foreign business deals and activities. And, you know, we'll get into why that kind of like should catch your attention a little bit. Um, But even like right during the press conference about this, uh, you know, investigation, we didn't really learn anything. Yeah. And so far, a lot of the evidence that they've put out, a lot of it is circumstantial. We'll go through each piece of evidence that mm-hmm. they've that they've discussed. Um, some of it is actually like very easily debunked. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of it's circumstantial. Some of it is something where there might be something there if they're if they're able to find more information on it, and I'll yep. I'll go over that. But I also would like to point out that every bit of credence that we give them for this impeachment inquiry should be done with the automatic caveat in the back of your mind that, but these are still fucking hypocrites because they voted to exonerate Trump. (laughs) All right. These are people that voted to exonerate Trump for something that was very clearly Mm -hmm. a violation of his oath of office. The fact that he used the power (laughs) twice, like the first time when he used the power of the presidency to pressure a foreign government into investigating a political opponent in a quid pro quo scheme. Mm-hmm. And these people voted to exonerate Trump for that. Yeah. So you should keep that in the back of your mind with yeah. everything that I read, even the stuff where I say there might be some, there might be something here. Keep that in the back of your mind. Yep. All right. Yeah. Because these are a bunch of fucking hypocrites and this is a political hit job. That doesn't totally. mean that there might not be merits to it, but the reason behind it is absolutely politically motivated. It's a political hit job. And these are huge fucking hypocrites that don't give a fuck about corruption. Yes. Yes. That is pretty clearly true. But to your point, like, even if their motivations are wrong, we should evaluate it on the evidence for sure. Yeah. So let's let's establish kind of the, the, the basics here. So this is an impeachment inquiry. It's being led by three House committees. Um, it's being led by uh, James Comer of Kentucky, uh, as the head of the Oversight Committee, by Jim Jordan of Ohio as the head of the Judiciary Committee, and then being led by Jason Smith of Missouri as the committee chair for the Committee of Ways and Means. Um, and so all of these committees are kind of, uh, with this investigation, they're able to like subpoena witnesses and basically uh, use the power of the House as, rather than just a, a congressional inquiry into like, you know, for like legislative purchase purposes, now they're able to kind of uh, put the, at least according to McCarthy, put kind of the full power of the House behind a potential investigation of actual wrongdoing. So the way an impeachment inquiry works is that, you know, if a federal official uh, is investigated for possible wrongdoing, they get this inquiry. Um, 
and the House is able to write up articles of impeachment if they found that the um, federal official, in this case the president, has committed uh, high crimes and misdemeanors. And then under the Constitution, then the Senate has the ability to convict an individual if articles of, of impeachment are drawn up. Now, to be clear, this is just an investigative stage. This is not the stage of bringing articles of impeachment. Biden has not been impeached. Yeah. Um, this is simply an investigation into, like, uh, to find evidence to potentially determine if he should be impeached or not. And honestly, effectively, not a lot is really changing except yeah. the name yeah. because yeah. they've been investigating this since they took control of the House of Representatives. Yes, totally. So I don't, I mean, calling it an impeachment inquiry at this point is just a rhetorical change. Effectively, it's just. It's politics. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, just politics. Yeah, it's, it's them just, declaring like we're going to we're going to investigate this further. Yeah. Okay, that's what you've been doing. So yes. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah. So let's let's go through this. Um, first off, and this is not expre- expressly talked about in the actual uh, uh, House Oversight Committee uh, report that they put out. Uh, laying out the overview of the evidence. But one of the big things that sparked this was um, back when Joe Biden was vice president, there was a Ukrainian prosecutor named Viktor Shokin. I think that's how you say his last name, Mm -hmm. um, who Joe Biden actually did use the, uh, the powers of the United States to try to pressure Ukraine into firing him. Mm-hmm. Now, he was a prosecutor in Ukraine, and Burisma, which is a company that uh, his that uh, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, worked for, was later investigated in Ukraine. Now, what the claim by Republicans on this particular on, on this particular thing is, is that uh, Shokin was planning on investigating Burisma. Therefore, Joe Biden was using his powers as the vice president in order to try to to get him fired, to protect Burisma, to protect his son. Now, there are a few problems with that, and there are a few reasons why that's bullshit. First off, the only evidence that Shokin was ever going to investigate Burisma is him saying after he was fired, oh, yeah, I was totally planning on investigating Burisma. There's no actual paper trail of it. It's just his word. And his word should not necessarily be trusted because he was actually um, universally despised by the international community. The European Union wanted his ass fired because they believed that he represented the corruption of the past from the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it could even be argued that because this particular prosecutor was corrupt and it was the official view of the European Union and the United States, not just not just Joe Biden, but the United States in general, um, at the direction of Barack Obama at the time, that he should that he should be fired, that he should no longer be uh, an official within within Ukraine. Mm-hmm. All right, and it it can easily be argued that his firing actually put Burisma in more jeopardy of being investigated because. Now they can actually put in a competent investigator, a competent yeah. prosecutor. Yep. So 
Everything about that story is just complete and utter fucking bullshit. Yeah. And and it might actually sound familiar if if you can remember back to a few years ago, because Trump's Department of Justice already investigated this claim. And they investigated it for like like most the better part of a year and found no sufficient evidence to pursue it further. And yeah, and to Nathan's point, like many com- countries, including the official position of the United States government, were pushing to remove this Ukrainian official because he was corrupt. Ultimately, like this put this, if anything, this to Nathan's point would have put Hunter Biden in his capacity as an official for Burisma in more jeopardy. So to Nathan's point, totally bullshit, totally debunked. Also, it was fucking a decade ago <laughs> which yeah. i think is a is a key theme of all of these things which i think we shouldn't lose sight of yeah yeah so let's look at the things that the oversight committee are actually alleging and laying out as the potential evidence um to their own admission there is no proof this is i'm, I'm reading directly off of their uh off of their overview that they've put out um there is no proof so far that the president cash checks from foreign sources Okay, so they're not alleging that. But there's plenty of evidence that Sun Hunter and others in the Biden family received millions of dollars from foreign partners who believed they were buying influence from his father. Now, that's fucking meaningless. Yes. All right. Yes, it is. That is completely fucking meaningless. Basically, what they're saying is Hunter Biden was going out there saying, hey, I'm a Biden Guess who my pa is? He's the vice president. And I bet you if you give me money... If you do businesses with me, I can get you in with him. The fact that he was using his name to get contracts is fucking meaningless. Yeah, exactly. It's meaningful. Like, yeah. It's meaningful if Biden was actually helping him. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he was going around using his name means nothing with regard to with regard to Joe Biden. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's this is the strongest specific claim that they have. Like this is like their strongest you know, allegation. And it's meant to be an illustration of, you know, Hunter trading on his family's brand um, in order to, like, benefit himself, which is like, great. He probably did. His last name's Biden. You know, Biden's a politician. I don't, like, I don't really know much too much about Hunter, but he kind of seems like a piece of shit. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he probably did. <laughs> and yeah. pieces of shit with big names do that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that that's another good point just to go ahead and lay out. Um, you're never going to hear me defend Hunter. Yeah. Um, he's clearly a piece of shit. He's clearly a corrupt piece of shit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and it's so funny because, like, Republicans had this business like this you know bombshell witness is how they kind of phrased it because again they've been investigating these claims uh in the house for like nine months already um and you know this previous uh uh, associate of hunters um was was testifying before this uh house committee and he testified that over the span of 10 years um, Hunter would attempt to put his to put like President Biden, not president at the time, but now President Biden, on the phone with associates. So would like put the phone on speakerphone, um, and you know when he was around to try to like trade on his name. But and this is he, uh, this is Devin Archer. 
Yes, this is Devin exactly. Archer. Yeah, exactly. But Devin Archer testified that that he never once spoke about any business dealings on any of those phone calls. And again, yeah. we're talking, and I think he cited like twenty potential calls over yeah. a ten-year period. Yep. And so, like, and that's yeah, yeah, and it, that's the next thing that the oversight committee points out. Yeah. And they they actually conveniently leave out the part of his testimony where he specifically said they did not discuss business. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So New York Representative Dan Goldman described this, I think, very aptly by saying that that, that Archer's test, testimony essentially like illustrates that Hunter was selling the illusion of access to his father. So yeah. trying to take credit for things that the vice president did, basically just doing exactly the kind of grift that you would expect from a piece of shit with a big name. Yeah. Which, you know, that's bad. But yeah. That's... Bad on Joe Hunter. Biden being corrupt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next, and this is one that I I would actually be more interested in learning more about this particular thing. Mm-hmm. But as it stands, it looks like it's kind of a big nothing. Yeah. But um, so while Joe Biden was vice president, there was a business associate of Hunter Biden's named uh, Eric Sherwin that had apparently sent some uh, sent some emails to the at the time communications director for Joe Biden that was supposed to provide a list of like talking points for media outrage or uh, media outreach with regard to Hunter Biden's role on the board of uh, of Burisma. So basically here's what you should say to the media if they ask you about what's going on with Hunter Biden. Hmm. And she emailed him back saying VP signed off on this. So, I mean, I, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't like the fact that a business associate is specifically giving them talking points, but that doesn't really rise to the level of impeachment and i wouldn't even say it necessarily rises to the level of corruption like i yeah it's basically like like, hey here's what here's what would be cool if you said to the media and they're like okay yeah that works we're fine with that sure i yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah it's It's, it's also hard to assess without like knowing what the talking points are like like yeah it could be something like what's you know hunter biden's specific role within burisma you know, yeah. something that the media might ask and they're going to need to know the answer to and not yeah. get it wrong. You know what yeah. I mean? And like if that's the case. That's perfectly innocent. Yeah, that's a know? very normal thing that you would need. So I, I it's weird. Like, I think it's it's a little bit hard to to avoid kind of grading on a curve because we're like we like one email that could be innocent or not for joe biden is like well i i guess this could be corruption if you if if it really was bad and it really went you know south but i don't know and then we're like we got this perfect phone call with trump not not again because trump's not the bar like he's obviously a corrupt piece of shit but um but it's it's kind of funny to like compare the two uh yeah (laughs) just because it's like and and like, so look, maybe maybe I just wasn't looking in the right places, but I I could not find what the talking points were. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to find that. I I don't know if those are a matter of public. I don't think those sure. are a matter of public record. So, yeah. uh, I so I don't I don't know what those are. And yeah. and I would say like if you're gonna 
if you're going to be investigating that, then I, I think that that's one of the things that you should look at. You know, yeah, what, sure. what were those actual talking points? Yeah. Were they dicey? Yeah. Um, what was it that Joe Biden signed off on? And mm -hmm. if, you know, if it's, if it's dicey, then, then show us. If it's yeah. not, then shut the fuck up. Seems like something they could have done in the last nine yeah. months of their investigation into this yeah. prior to becoming an impeachment inquiry. <laughs> yeah. And again, yeah. um, another thing that they point out is that um, there were uh, the State Department's George Kent had warned Joe Biden in 2015 that Hunter's presence on the board of Burisma could be used to undermine uh, America's anti-corruption message. Okay. Sure. I think that's a fair criticism, but it's not necessarily, again, that's a crime. <laughs> no, that's not a crime. And that's what Hunter's doing. That's not yes. what Biden's doing. Like, what is, exactly. what are you saying? Like Biden, you need to tell your son to quit his job. Yeah. Like what, what's it he, doesn't what's he seem like do? Hunter's a son that's going to listen to Biden anyway, based on all, yeah. you know, the drug <laughs> <Yes>. use. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, I, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. And another thing. So another thing that they put out, and I actually, I'm insulted that they included this mm -hmm. because to their own admission that hasn't, this hasn't been corroborated. Mm -hmm. um, they say an FBI informant has told the Bureau that Mikola uh, Zaleski, I, I have no idea how you say that name, um, uh, Brisma's CEO paid $5 million each in bribes to Hunter and Joe. Yeah. Then they immediately say this hasn't been corroborated. Yep. Then don't fucking say it. Yeah. Then don't fucking right? include it. Don't yeah. fucking include it. <laughs> if you corroborate it, then include it. Sure. Show me the evidence. And look, I will say, if there is evidence that that actually happened, that's sure. the smoking gun. Yeah, if, of course. If you show me evidence that that happened, that's the smoking gun. I will flip on a dime and be like, yep, impeach him. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Like if they directly, if, if this company directly paid $5 million in bribes to Joe Biden, I will flip on a dime and say impeach him. Sure. But corroborate that shit yeah. or don't even bring it up. And what's, yeah, <laughs> I totally agree. What makes it even more absurd is that like, uh, you know, Comer, who's, who's heading the investigation for the, uh, Oversight Committee has, you know, made a big point of calling out that Republicans will be subpoenaing bank records, like personal bank records for Hunter Biden and James Biden, uh, which is who's uh, Joe Biden's brother. Um, but when he was asked why the committee has not yet subpoenaed President Biden's personal financial records, Comer said it's because investigators have not uncovered evidence that he received any of the scrutinized <laughs> funds. To your point, not only is it not being corroborated, they don't even have enough evidence to go look at whether there's evidence of that $5 million. He's, there's no evidence that he's been tied to any corrupt funds whatsoever. So basically yeah. what they have is Joe Biden, when he was vice president, had a piece of shit son who is kind of being a piece of shit and yeah. trying to trade on his name and just overall being a bit of a, you know, annoying rich kid trying to like get richer based on, you know, giving the illusion of being able to peddle political influence. Yeah. Again, all of this is about Hunter. It's, it's not about Joe Biden. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Here's here's one that I will say this is another thing where if they can actually corroborate this, then this might be a smoking gun. But so far, it's just a he said, she said. Mm -hmm. um, they say uh, 
More recently, we learned that uh, Hunter business partner James Giller emailed Hunter and other associates that 10% of a deal with a Chinese energy firm, um, CEFC, was to go to the big guy. Former Hunter business partner Tony Bublinski uh, said that the big guy was Joe Biden. So we do know that that email was sent. Mm. Um, So far... We have a former business partner testifying. Well, actually, not even testifying yet. This, this, because this hasn't. This guy has not officially um, testified this in front of a, a grand a grand jury yet. He mm-hmm. he said he was willing to, but he hasn't done that officially yet. Mm-hmm. Um, saying that the big guy involved in that is Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. But again, that's you know, if that's true, then yeah. that's the smoking gun. Totally. And 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 look, look, I I would say that. I would say that that's worth looking into. Mm-hmm. You know, that seems right. Um, totally. But uh, again, I go back, like not to defend Joe Biden, but like, like what have they been doing for nine fucking months? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what have they been looking into? If not that, like, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last thing that they lay out is the Biden money trail goes through at least twenty shell companies. The vice president used different email pseudonyms. And at least 170 financial transactions related to Hunter or Joe's brother James were flagged to the Treasury as suspicious. Again, I don't give a fuck about his son or his brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is about him. Yeah. They also said, uh, so apparently a pair of IRS agents, uh, Jerry Shapley and Joseph uh, Ziegler, told Congress that the Justice Department undermined their investigation into Hunter Biden's emails and tax filings. This is another thing in which the fact that they included this is fucking insulting Mm -hmm. because that that investigation is like three levels removed from Joe Biden. Yeah. Because remember, it was appointed, like it was a special counsel that was appointed by Merrick Garland who was appointed by Joe Biden. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. And the reason why we put out special counsels, why we appoint special counsels is so that politics don't enter the mix. Now, if you want to criticize uh, Weiss for um, going easy on on Hunter Biden, you can. That's fair. Mm -hmm. We did it. Yeah. Michael and I both made that argument. But to say that Joe Biden specifically pressured uh, pressured the prosecutors in that investigation to to go easy on his son there's just no evidence of that yeah and and like the fact that it was a special counsel that wasn't even appointed that that was appointed by the attorney general so that politics could not be involved in to in the first place because you know it you wouldn't want politics to be involved in it because yes it is it is the uh the president's son yeah um it should be above reproach and it is yeah so just throwing that in there yeah. again is just insulting to the intelligence of anybody that reads this because mm-hmm. they just don't have any fucking evidence that um, that Joe Biden did anything to, uh, to to impede the investigation. You can criticize the investigators for not doing enough. You can you can you can say that their um, the investigation was impeded. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that is nothing. But there's no evidence that that has anything to do with Joe Biden. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's just it's kind of remarkable. Um, and again, Joe Biden has been impeached. He has not been impeached, yeah. but it's still remarkable that they're attempting to, like, 
like launch, make these political points using an impeachment investigation because that's as far as they can like even feasibly go at this point. So Michael Gerhardt, a professor of constitutional law at the University of North Carolina School of Law in Chapel Hill, said, quote, this current attempt to conduct an impeachment inquiry is unlike any others I think we've had in American history, because in the past, there's always been some credible evidence of wrongdoing by the president that is part of the complaint against the president. But in this situation, we don't have any credible evidence. And instead, this process seems to be what is sometimes called a fishing expedition. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and there are other ways in which this differs from every single, any other time that an impeachment investigation has ever been conducted in American history. First of all, this, again, as I mentioned before, these are all about things that occurred like a decade before Joe Biden was president. All things yeah. that, if they were crimes, could have been investigated and prosecuted and, li- and, and likely would have been. Like, the point of an impeachment is to get a president out of office because their behavior is so egregious that it puts America at risk, right? The point of an impeachment is because that's what our Congress can do to hold a president accountable when you can't arrest them because they're the president and you're not able to. Like... Like the thing we're doing here is <laughs> is like addressing a president's conduct while in office, and the fact that it's been like a decade since any of these even allegations have ever like even occurred, even if they they were true, is like definitely undermines the purpose of the investigation overall. Now, if there's evidence of corruption while in office, like if like there was under Trump, if there's evidence that like he's being bribed or or has un, like received undue influence or something like that you know obviously we want to impeach him over over something like that but like that's not even on the table here so yeah. it's just a, it's just a remarkable like political yeah. stunt um yeah. and it's it's just really disappointing and i will and i will still say even though this happened this supposedly allegedly happened when he was vice president i will even say like I will be fair and I will be consistent. All right. And I will say that if you can show me some actual evidence, Mm -hmm. some actual corroborated evidence that the $5 million bribe was actually, that there was actually a $5 million bribe that was paid to Joe Biden. If you can show me some actual evidence that the big guy in the email is Mm -hmm. Joe Biden. If you can show me some actual evidence of those two things, because like the rest of this is pretty much just bullshit. But if you show me actual evidence of those two things, then even though it happened when he was vice president, I'm even prepared to say, you know what? That's still, that's a direct bribe. Mm-hmm. That's direct corruption. Yeah. And you know what? Impeach him. Yeah. I will sure. support it. Yeah. I will support it if you can show me that evidence. But so far, you haven't. Totally. And you yeah, have so, plenty of time to do it. Yeah. So the real motivation here, I think two, two real points I want to make before we close this segment. One, the real motivation here is like patently obvious, um, which is, to try to draw a false equivalency between Trump, who's been impeached, actually impeached twice, and Joe Biden, and try to make a claim that really, like, all politicians are corrupt, all they're all the same, and as a result, like, we shouldn't, we should be able to elect Trump again and not worry about it because Biden and Trump are really the same. Which is obviously not true. Yeah. <laughs> Just clearly not true. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, though, it seems like the Republicans' political strategy here is gaining traction, even if they're 
actual like like impeachment inquiry is total bullshit at least it so it seems so as of right like as according to a recent poll 48 percent of voters said that they support the current investigation into biden so the impeachment probe including 36 percent of democrats and 63 percent of republicans which is stunning that and it i think it really speaks to how much we just expect politicians to be corrupt because without evidence without like anything rising even close to the level of evidence that joe biden has taken some kind of illegal action like nearly a majority just under a majority of uh voters think that we should be investigating the president And now it's time for a more lighthearted segment, A Good Actually. So Nathan, what is A Good Actually? Michael, A Good Actually is something that we do because the world sucks. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, we got climate change, corrupt politicians. Yeah. uh, Other bad stuff. I was was reading an article (laughs) recently. Snakes. Yeah. (laughs) I was reading an article recently saying that a meteor that uh, is basically like... um, the could be the equivalent of like 25 nuclear bombs might hit earth in like 150 years from now. And I was like, damn, that's depressing. That is depressing. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I, I didn't look into it as much as I probably should have, but like, it's probably going to be one of those things where it's like, yeah, it has a higher chance of hitting earth than most stuff. And then you look at the odds and it's like, yeah, there's like a one in <laughs> 30,000 yeah, percent chance. It's a it's relative like, oh. chance. It's like twice as <laughs> yeah. likely as the next most likely thing to hit earth. <laughs> yeah. 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 But sometimes mm-hmm. when you look around yourself, you realize that, Hey, that asteroid up there is actually just a shooting star. Oh, and shooting wow. stars are beautiful. Yeah. And beauty is good. Mm-hmm. And good actually yeah. is all around us. So true. In the form of like falling fireballs from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, what is our uh, good actually this week? Well, our good actually this week is that Oh, some traction is finally being made on some prescription drug prices. Not a lot of yay! traction. Not not that much quite yet, but it's okay, finally um, happening. Yay! Yay! Yes, not so hard <laughs> Yeah, so as part of <laughs> Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, um, Medicare is now able to negotiate the prices of prescription drugs. And so the uh, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services through uh, the Centers for Medical and Medicaid Services, announced 10 specific drugs that will be up for negotiation as part of uh, Medicare coverage. Um, Now, the unfortunate part is that these will be negotiated over 2023 and 2024 with prices coming down in 2026, which is tough luck for everybody that needs drugs between now and then. But the fact that we actually have a list of the 10 drugs that will be negotiated is a big step in the right direction. And these are common drugs that that people on Medicare need. These are like blood thinners, diabetes medication, arthritis medication, uh, drugs to fight blood cancer, and drugs to help address kidney failure uh, and and heart failure, drugs to address some autoimmune diseases. Um, and And so like these are... This is 
something that could ultimately help a lot of people. And even though 2076 is a little far down the road, like this is a historic milestone. This is the first time this is going to happen. And this is the first time we've taken a significant step like this uh, to bring down the cost of prescription drugs. And that's pretty huge. And that's good, actually. So for our next segment, we are talking about the United Auto Workers strike. And um, Nathan and Katie covered this uh, last week and did a great job, but a lot has happened. Shit has really hit the fan. Um, And so we wanted to delve even deeper into this particular subject and really, uh, you know, take another look at it. Yeah. So uh, it happened. Yeah. It, they stroke. it happened. They stroke. <laughs> they stroke. Would it, would it be they stroke or they it would be, it would be these. striked? They so striked. That's a good question. That's a really good question because sometimes in English, um, we use a different construction of a present tense verb for a different meaning. So yeah. the my classic example is hang. If you you can hang a bag of groceries, you know, from a doorknob. But if you are executed by hanging, that's also hang. But if it's past tense, you hung the groceries on the doorknob, but you were hanged. So it's like different construction. Um, so that's a grim example. Yes. Well, it's like the <laughs> it's like the most clear one. <laughs> yeah. But so it appears think, that the past I tense is struck. Strike. Stru- it is struck. <laughs> I I think it should be striked. Let's go I think with it striked. Be striked. I like striked. Like hang. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we are serious analyzers. We are serious analyzers of stuff. Yes, that's us. Um, so, as they mentioned last week, this is um, a pretty big deal. So, this is a historic strike, and it it occurred on uh, midnight on Friday. Nine percent of the United Auto Workers, hundred fifty thousand union members, walked off their jobs in three auto plants. Um, this is the first time that the union has has striked uh, across all three of the big three auto manufacturers. So General Motors, um, Stellantis, which was previously, I think, uh, Chrysler, um, and Ford. And so they have striked at three auto plants, um, which basically has shut down production for like a bunch of these companies' most popular trucks. Or, and, and cars. And um, there's like the potential for more uh, striking workers um, in the coming days. Specifically, um, the head of the United Auto Workers Union has said that if they don't make significant progress by Friday, they can expect another 13,000 or so, or they'll expect like more workers to walk off the job and, and shut down more plants. Um, so this is a very big deal. Um, and importantly, it's yeah. a very supported deal as well. Like <laughs> one thing I, I was blown away by is that um, the United Auto Workers, you know, took a vote to authorize them to strike. And 97% of UAE members, UAW membership voted in favor of striking or in favor yeah. of the authorization which is stunning. You can't get 97% of anybody to agree on anything, including like the sky is blue and the earth is round. So it is, it is clearly a sign that it's long overdue 
um, yeah. to kind of pursue some of the um, the demands that they're they're asking for in this case. And also, their their demands aren't necessarily baseless. Like they have a no. specific reason behind it. So, uh, the companies came back to them and they said, "All right, how about a twenty percent increase in salary?" Mm-hmm. And um, and the United Auto, Auto Workers rejected that. Mm-hmm. Now. That has been portrayed by some in the media as basically like, oh, look at how unreasonable they are. They're also demanding a four-day work week, and it's like, oh, look at how unreasonable they are. Yeah. Um, And also, I've been seeing articles that have been trying to lay out all of the uh, people in other places around the country that are being laid off as a result of this this strike. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As kind of a, oh, look look at these... You know, look at these selfish union people. They were offered a they were offered a twenty a twenty percent increase, and they're still striking, and it's resulting in all of these people being laid off. It's like fuck you. Mm-hmm. The reason yeah, why those yeah. people are being laid off is because there are people that are not being paid what they are worth, mm-hmm. and the reason why they rejected twenty percent and are demanding forty percent is because uh, profits at the big three. This is a this is according to uh, one of the local news channels in the area, Wayne.com, um, increased by ninety two percent in the last decade, mm-hmm. and in the same period, CEO pay raised by guess how much, forty percent. Mm-hmm. So all these people are saying all uh, all the United Auto Workers are saying all um, the 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 president of United Auto Workers, uh, Sean Fain, is asking for is the same increase, the same raise that the CEO got, mm-hmm. all right? Because, you know, in in his words, um, record, record profits should equal record contracts. Mm-hmm. And in fact, much to my surprise, to some extent, Biden used that exact same talking point when asked about this. Yeah. Now... We talked last week about how Biden totally shit the bed when it came mm-hmm. to the railway strike, mm-hmm. but it looks like at least the tone that he's trying to set so far has been much more supportive of the United Auto Workers, mm-hmm. and he has basically been echoing the exact same uh, sentiments um, of uh, of Sean Fain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I think their case is so strong. And I think it's yeah. a lot of credit to the leadership at the union. Like, like we don't have to dig too deep into their their strategy overall, but they are doing some really smart stuff to kind of enable themselves to gain kind of maximum leverage over the the big three um, auto manufacturers and be able to sustain the strike for a long time without hurting the pay of their workers significantly. So they are really setting themselves up for success here. And to your point, Nathan, like. Yeah, um, we should get the same raise that our CEOs have gotten. That's a pretty like in, in, in on a relative basis. That's a pretty compelling thing. And to put the twenty percent counter offer into perspective, on uh, on average, manu- like work uh, you know auto worker manufacturers have seen their real hourly earnings since two thousand eight go down by nineteen point three percent. So essentially, that 20% slap in the face, and I will characterize it as that, is essentially um, you know, less than a percent of actual real wage growth yeah. over that and period. With, and with record inflation, yeah. 
that, by the way, these corporations have been massively profiting under. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good chunk of that should go to the workers. Mm-hmm. It is only fair that a yeah. good chunk of that go to the workers. The people that are actually doing, you know, that are actually doing the the bulk of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, as it stands, the ratio of CEO pay to um, average worker pay to the median employee compensation in 2022 was uh, 362 to 1. 362 to 1. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. fucking ridiculous. It's fucking, it's absolutely, absolutely fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and so like literally at the to Nathan's point, at the same time as um, these auto manufacturers are making record profits, the union workers have been losing money. Their real wage has been going down over the last six years, according to the union president. Uh, they lost roughly ten dollars an hour in wages. At the same time, the big three have made a quarter, like two hundred and fifty billion dollars in profits profits mind you this is not sales this is money they just get to walk away with at the end of the day like yeah and to to their union president's uh point as well like the the auto manufacturers keep saying like coming up with reasons why they can't possibly afford to meet these demands right um, because of course they do. That's going to be the the main thing they say is that like, well, we can't stay in business if we pay our workers a living wage. Which, on principle, like I, I think I align with Bernie on this on this point for sure. Which is, if you can't afford to pay your workers a good wage, you don't deserve to exist as a business. Like, which is literally yeah. exactly what FDR said yeah. when he established the minimum wage in the yeah. first place. Yeah. He said that he he said that um, no company that uh, replies on their existence to uh, or t- that relies on their existence paying less than a living wage to their employees deserves to do business in the United States. Yeah, that's totally. why he established the minimum wage in the first place. Yep. And so these companies are claiming that they just can't afford to to pay these things these wages. But cost of labor is only five percent of yeah. the the cost of the vehicle. Five percent. So according to, again, union president uh, Sean Fain, they could, quote, they could double our wages and not raise the prices of vehicles, and they would still make billions of dollars. It's a lie like everything else that comes out of their mouths. Now, that's a pretty charged statement, but like it seems like it's a pretty clear case that these companies are attempting to kind of scapegoat the union when yeah. really they're just trying to, to you know, benefit their bottom line. And look... I'm going to make a point that I've made before. This is the workers still asking nicely. Yeah, sure. All right? <laughs> yeah. You don't want to know what happens mm-hmm. when workers stop asking nicely to be treated fairly. Mm-hmm. To yeah. put it another way, do you want a communist revolution on your hands? <laughs> because ignoring this, that's how you get a communist revolution on your hands. I'm not saying I want a communist revolution. I don't want a communist revolution. Yeah. And I know that you don't want a communist revolution. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you want to maintain your position as still making billions of dollars, mm-hmm. still being at the highest rung of society, yeah. then maybe what you should do is listen to your workers. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? There are more of them than there are of you. <laughs> and you need them a hell of a lot more than they need you. Yeah. In fact, 
they barely even need you. Mm-hmm. In an ideal world, most of most businesses would be worker-owned conglomerates. Mm-hmm. That's not even what they're asking for. Yeah. They're just asking to be paid at a similar increase in rates that your CEO is being paid. Mm-hmm. That is all they're asking. Yeah. It is completely reasonable. And to fucking to scapegoat the union mm-hmm. that just wants a piece of the profits that they are actively contributing to, yeah. that want to be compensated for their productivity that is making your ass billions of dollars, it is the most reasonable thing in the world. Yeah. Especially because, like, what adds insults to injury with this whole thing is one of the things that the union is contending is that they took a bunch of concessions back in 2008 and 2009 yes. to fucking save the car industry. To your point, like the the UAW does not want a communist revolution. They want to save the car industry. They just want to be able to do their jobs and be compensated. So in 2000, 2008, 2009, they accepted, um, you know, uh, cuts to their their agreement. Like, um, like the they suspended that their uh, wages would go up with the cost of living and things like that. That were never reinstated. After the financial crisis was over, when 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 not Ford but the other big car companies were taking like billions of dollars in bailouts, they were they were also borrowing from the wages of their workers essentially, and that was never unwound and was never like that compensation was never returned back to the workers, and so like they have saved the asses of these companies before and literally all they're asking is to keep up with the record crazy profits that they're making which is which is only fair and it's only reasonable um and yeah yeah. and the auto manufacturers are doing everything they can to keep them from from getting it including trying to lay this at the feet of the transformation of um, our our auto infrastructure to electric vehicles, yeah, yeah, which has definitely put the Biden administration in a bit of a a bind that we should talk about at least a little bit. So, yeah. as part of the Inflation Reduction Act, the um, companies are, like auto companies are incentivized to uh, invest in electric vehicle R and D. And so, and these companies though are claiming that there's just no way that they can invest as much as they need to in electric vehicles in order to keep up with the industry while meeting these pay demands. Except that's exactly what the fucking incentives are for. Like, yeah. they're literally being paid to, um, from the Inflation Reduction Act, to invest in electric vehicle technologies um, and invest in like transforming manufacturing facilities into EV facilities. And and they'll also benefit from all of the tax cuts as part of the IRA that that go to consumers for buying electric vehicles. Like there will benefit extremely from this law. And in some ways it would leave the workers totally in the lurch if they don't pass along the extreme benefit that they're getting as part of the EV transition like to their workers so it's like it's abs it's just a slap in the face it's crazy yeah yeah and both trump and uh, i also saw pence and I'm, I'm sure that plenty of other uh yeah republican candidates have probably made statements about this as well yeah. but I, I specifically saw them 
um, they ran with that talking point. Mm-hmm. Um, they're having they're having a field day with that talking point. And basically, the allegation is based on a certain level of truth, but is manipulated in a way that is one of the most dishonest talking points that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So what they say is that because most batteries are manufactured uh, for, for the batteries for electric vehicles are manufactured in, in Asia, many of which in China, um, investing in electric vehicles as the Biden administration is doing is directly attempting to ship jobs overseas with regard to to automaking. And therefore the only way that you can save your job mm-hmm. in terms of uh in terms of um you know as a as as a factory worker at, at at in the audio in the auto industry is by rejecting Joe Biden and voting for Trump or voting mm-hmm. for Pence or voting for Republicans in general so that they can fight against electric vehicles. And they're specifically citing the Inflation Reduction Act as a move to basically be a huge giveaway for for china Mm -hmm. so here's why that's bullshit so (laughs) the reason why there was so much investment in the inflation reduction act with regard to electric vehicles and actually not even just the inflation reduction act also the chip act Mm -hmm. is specifically because we don't want that shit manufactured in china yeah all right we want to manufacture it here yeah. And in order for us to be able to manufacture it here, we have to invest in the industry. We have to create financial incentives for mm-hmm. companies to be building those here, those factories here. We have to create incentives for the resources to be gathered here. Now, you know, the resources might be more of a complicated issue because it, you yeah. know, it, it's going to depend on actually Where what parts of the world they yeah. actually are, <laughs> but what part what part of the world they actually are, but mm-hmm. The point behind the Inflation Reduction Act was that the status quo was allowing China to basically have control over the electric car industry. Mm-hmm. And no, we want that here. We want the yeah. electric car industry here. A status quo which was perpetuated under the Trump administration. Exactly. For all of their posturing about being anti-China you know, China supremacy. Yeah. So... That's complete bullshit. And um, Fain has even directly said, like, you know, you, dude, you, you fucked us over plenty, mm-hmm. like, under your administration. Don't even try to appeal to yeah. us right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a tricky thing for sure. Because, um, you know, the UAW is definitely upset with Biden, basically over the fact that the electric vehicle subsidies kind of go directly to the bottom lines of... Um, yeah, or you know, directly as investment to the auto manufacturers, yeah. but which I which is a I, fair criticism. Yeah, I would say. yeah, I'd say that's right. Um, although it's it's a little bit difficult to see how you would incentivize the construction of EVs without doing that, like paying directly yeah. to the workers wouldn't yeah. necessarily work. But like you could probably you might be able to figure it out. But it could is potentially a fair criticism, and certainly a criticism that might be felt by auto workers. Again, yeah. seeing the administration. Um, support record profits at these huge companies while they're not getting cost of living wages, wage increases. Um, so ultimately, like, you know, Biden's reputation as a labor person, at least the reputation he tries to cultivate, kind of depends on the success of this UAW um, negotiation and strike. But it's also, to your point, heartening to to um, hear the official kind of position of the UAW 
uh, where Sean Sean Fain um, uh, said of Trump, quote, every fiber of our union is being poured into fighting the billionaire class and an economy that enriches people like Donald Trump at the expense of workers. Mm. Can I just say, I like this Sean Fain guy. He's I like him too. pretty fucking cool. <laughs> he's pretty yeah. good. He really, I, I think he's doing an impressive job. I think he's can like effectively managing the strike on a, all of the the fronts, right? He's like managing the, the money, he's managing the politics, and he's managing kind of the, yeah. the PR side of this. And I really am hoping that the UAW, you know, reaps yeah. the benefits and, get, and gets, yeah. uh, you know, the things they're asking for. And hell, after they do, bro, fucking run for something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now it's time for a more lighthearted segment, a miscellaneous what the fuck. So Nathan, what the fuck is a miscellaneous what the fuck? Well, Michael, I'll tell you what the fuck a miscellaneous what the fuck is. So a miscellaneous what the fuck is a segment that we created because we have a segment for particularly heinous individuals, the asshat mm-hmm. of the week. And we yeah. have a segment for people that just make stupid arguments, the Dershowitz mm-hmm. bag. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we get a story where a person's not necessarily being heinous mm-hmm. or a particularly heinous individual, and a person didn't necessarily make a really stupid argument, but it's just a ridiculous story that's mm-hmm. funny. And we just mm-hmm. have to look at and laugh at and just look at the story and just say, what the fuck? <laughs> Oh man, I I have to say I'm getting to love this segment more and more. I love how how random the shit that comes in is, and there's yeah. like no end to all the fucking bam, like absolutely absurd stuff that uh, that comes onto our radar. Yeah. So what could possibly meet the bar of uh, just staring at you know an event with hilarity and in stunned silence, Nathan? Um. So apparently, uh, I, I don't even know how to start this. Um, <laughs> I think it's a Beetlejuice hand job. It's <laughs> wait, oh, oh, what? Oh god! Oh god! I was about to make a joke about, but oh god! Wait, a oh, what type of hand jo- job? Beetlejuice. I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Be- Beetle Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> fuck! <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, Okay. okay, so it started out. So obviously, we're in case if you haven't already guessed, we're talking about uh, Representative Lauren Boebert, which uh, is a surprise. The fact that we started off with Beetlejuice hand job, and then the next thing you said was we're talking about <laughs> Representative United States House of Representatives Representative of Colorado Lauren fucking Boebert. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So okay, <laughs> it started off. So she was, um, she was apparently in a in a theater, watching, uh, watching Beetlejuice. Yeah. Um, the musical. It was the yeah. the Bull Theater, the musical. Um, and you know she was. It started out. Uh, what we knew was that she was having a good time. She was, she was vaping. She was singing along with it. She was apparently being really disruptive and annoying. So there were some patrons that went to the theater and they were like, hey, you know, these people over here, they're being really disruptive. Could you could you go to them and be like, hey, just, you know, take it easy. And Mm -hmm. so the 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 people in theater came in and they were like, hey, we we heard you were being disruptive. Please stop or you will be asked to leave. And they continued. So there were complaints again. 
and they ended up being you know they ended up um going back to lauren bobert and all of this is according to the official instant report right mm-hmm. um the uh the the management of the of the theater came back to them and were like all right seriously you need to leave now and they refused to leave so they're like okay we're going to call the cops and they actually had to be escorted out mm. um as a uh, while apparently lauren bobert was like screaming shit like do you know who i am i'm on the board <laughs> which i don't know what fucking board she's talking about um i will be contacting the mayor which i mean i'm pretty sure the mayor is a democrat so i don't even know what the fuck the mayor is gonna because this is denver i believe yeah. um so i don't know what that stuff's all about but that's according to the the people of the theater that's what that's what she was saying and by the way i just like to point out I hate a person to their core if they ever say any version of the phrase, do you know who I am? I know. Like, I just, it's you the most pretentious lose. thing a you're person can say. Yeah. Like, you're the villain. You're, I, I hate you to your core if you say any mm-hmm. version of that in a serious yeah. manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like that was it. It was just a weird story in which they were being disruptive. They were being annoying people in a theater. Apparently, they were also recording with their phones, which, God, that is... As as someone who has done theater, not professionally, yeah. obviously, um, but like that is just so fucking disrespectful, mm-hmm. you know. Like, could you imagine someone fucking vaping and singing along and recording the show? Yeah, with fucking flash. Yeah, in the middle of it. Oh yeah, like I mean, if it's one of those, if it's one of those, you know, performances where singing along is expected, like yeah, you know, knock yourself yeah. out. This but, is Beetlejuice the musical, on. a professional musical on a proscenium stage. Yeah. This is not one of those. This is not a sing along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it turns out the plot thickens because mm. she had been making a big deal about how she was based she was being targeted by these these people that it was unfair that she was kicked out. Mm-hmm. So the theater was like, "Okay. Well, we're going to release a video." of you in the theater and showed just and show the world just what you were doing. And it turns out it went beyond just, just singing along and vaping oh, no. because no. she and, and the person she was with were feeling each other up. Like I'm talking, you know, I'm talking second base OTBHJ. <laughs> and re- a reminder, this is a, kids show yeah like yeah. this is a Welcome fucking kids show there children are children in the theater yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and again a reminder this person is one of the people that runs the government <laughs> yeah and as if as if that isn't crazy enough the plot thickens even more oh my because God. apparently because you remember lauren bobert is like she has been uh marketing herself as the as one of the most anti LGBT mm-hmm. Congresswomen in family in, values, the, in the House like of Representatives, the whole thing, like it's yeah. family value. Which, by the way, even already, like the whole, you know, already that demonstrates a certain level of hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. But like the guy that she's apparently been secretly dating owns a gay friendly bar that hosts drag shows. <laughs> now that's the true shocker. <laughs> <laughs> She's with a Democrat. Oh, amazing. Uh, She's with a Democrat. I can't decide if it would make me feel better drag shows. or worse if she was just totally full of shit. You know, yeah. part of me is like, <laughs> part of me would be like, you know, oh, thank God. 
like she's not actually as fucking awful and heinous and crazy as as she thinks. But the the worst part is she thinks that's the way to be successful is by being as awful and crazy and heinous as she is. So it's a double edged yeah. sword. Yeah. yeah, I mean it is interesting because I always thought of her as you know like one of them one of the Republicans that wasn't in on the joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Maybe she is. I I, she's I, I in don't the know. corner making um, her own jokes. Yeah. <laughs> if so, yeah. she's she is really she is really good at playing. She the, should be on the Beetlejuice. The stage. crazy. Yeah. She should. She should. She should. She should. Yeah. she should. Absolutely. Um. And wow. look, I I I just I just like to I like to point out the reason why there's a miscellaneous what the fuck and not a regular segment is because this mm-hmm. is not a serious issue. Like this yes, is definitely, definitely not a serious issue. Yeah. Um. But what I would say there is. The, the most important part of this story that I think mm-hmm. that we should all, that should be the big takeaway yep. about Lauren Boebert, yeah. um, about this story, is the fact that she voted against the PRO Act. What's the PRO Act? It's a pro-union piece of legislation. Mm. And now, with the, rise of, uh, with the rise of unions around the, around the country and the rise of strikes, she's not on that side. Yeah. So yep. the biggest point is, I don't really... I personally don't really care that much what's happening in a theater. I can laugh mm-hmm. at it, but the fact yep. of the matter is, she's a terrible fucking congresswoman. Yeah. Man, what the fuck? And now we will end our show as we usually do with our highlights. So Nathan, what's your highlight this week? My highlight this week, and this is this might sound really lame, but like I I laughed for a, an embarrassing amount of time on this. I saw a bumper sticker today. And I just, it had oh, a pun no. that made me laugh for way too long. This is, this is terrible. Um, so it's, no, it, it's nothing inappropriate. Sure, it was sure, just, sure. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it, it was a bumper sticker that seems to be advertising. It was like a um, yard chickens or chickening your, your yards.com or chicken mm-hmm. for your yard, something like that. Um, and the motto was, it's cheap therapy. What? I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's cheap therapy. So it's like a cheap, site. Cheap, like a bird. Yeah, it's, pun? yeah, like a bird, but it's <laughs> cheap as in it doesn't cost much. <laughs> when you said it was a bumper sticker, I, I was concerned that it might be something like, like, you know, stop following D's nuts or something. No. But, no. <laughs> but I think that's actually worse. <laughs> I th- I thought it was so funny. It's like oh you're selling God, you're selling chickens for like the for, for people's yards. It's cheap and therapy. It's, like, it's cheap therapy. That is <laughs> okay. hilarious. Right, that's pretty good. It's cheap therapy. <laughs> All right, I'm coming around to it. I'm coming as, around. As as yeah. someone that grew up with chickens, like I just mm-hmm. appreciated that so much. And I know that that is the fact that that is the highlight of my week, it might sound sad, but it just, it made, it just gave me so much joy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not sad because you don't have other highlights. It's very high because you thought it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. I just thought enough. it was awesome. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fair enough. What about you, Michael? What's your highlight? Okay. Well, I am going on vacation, uh, which is important for you, dear listener, because we're going to be off the pod for a couple of weeks while I'm gone. Um, and Nathan is uh, doing awesome coaching badass stuff around (laughs) trotting around the country and stuff like that um i'm gonna be on vacation and i'm so excited i have not been on like an extended vacation for more than like a couple days in well over a year i'm exhausted work is exhausting i've been you know i'm getting close to being burnt out i definitely need a break and i Mm. am so excited to get a break Mm. 
So I'm, and I'm now, really glad you're going to get that. Thanks, buddy. And now we will thank the amazing people that make this show possible. So thank you to our patrons, Jerry DeViller, Kyle Chaska, Fade Out Scoop, and Taylor Bloom and Tobias Janssen for help supporting the show. Thank you to our amazing editor, Kayla, for all they do to make this show possible. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to The Perspectrum. And you'll hear from us again in three weeks. Three weeks.